Welcome. I would like to call the April 25th, 2023 meeting of the Transportation Commission to order. Tonight's meeting is a hybrid meeting. Members of the community are welcome to join the meeting in person or remotely through Zoom or by telephone. So first, we'll do roll call. And since this is a hybrid meeting, I will be calling roll. Please answer in the affirmative when your name is called. Oh, I haven't updated the name. Um, AJ, interim stranger. Here. Uh, Shri Balamarugan. Here. Rafael Fernandez. Um, Patrick Booth. Here. Tracy Trexel. Here. And Samuel Rappaport. Here. And Vice Chair Brian McGee. Hello. Chair Faith DeBolt. Here. So uh, next on the agenda is approval of the meeting minutes from the March 22nd, 2023 meeting. Uh, are there any comment or corrections to the meeting minutes? Uh, just, just one thing. I know you know, we, we, the, the notes are getting shorter and shorter every single time, but um, they're great, concise. But for the, especially for our planning study, there was a lot of comments and discussions. But I think one of the things that wasn't captured is we talk about next steps and timeline for the next steps. So that made something a correction on that front. Something we didn't talk about, like you know, just at length about this is not it. This is you know, there's more deliberation to occur and so forth. So there's something like that that kind of gets captured on that. One suggestion would be a couple things. Um, we'll make sure that when staff comes back next month, that part of what they report back on is you know, what they heard from the commission and how they're responding to that. So that's part one. And then the other thing that we could do is add um, a brief, um, something that said that fact, because I believe that was stated at the meeting is the staff and the consultant will return in June to report out the, the final, you know, the, the, the final draft of the study. Any other comments? Yeah, I had comments along the same lines of at some point documenting that, you know, if that's in a follow-up memo that is presented later or in the minutes, that, you know, all of that input is summarized somehow. Big motion to approve the minutes. I second the motion. All in favor say aye. Aye. Any opposed? Right, minutes have been approved. And next up, we have public comment. Uh, so now is the opportunity for members of the community to provide public comment. We can have up to three speakers per perspective per topic. Please limit all public comments to three minutes, and we ask that you treat everyone with kindness and respect. We want everyone in Kirkland to feel welcome to express their viewpoints. If you are in person, please fill out the sign-in sheet. For those online, please provide your name and address. Remote attendees who would like to comment, please raise your hand in Zoom or press star nine if you're calling on the phone. Um, I don't see anyone here uh, from the public. Uh, Franz, do we have anyone um, online? Uh, no, we do not. No. No. Okay. So, no public comment to 
the next item, which is welcoming our new commissioners, uh, Sam Rappaport and Tracy Trexel. So welcome. We're excited to have you. Thank you. Excited to be here. Um, I don't know if there's anything else we say there or <laughs> if if you would like to maybe just say a few we could you know you could introduce all the commissioners can introduce themselves maybe you know uh, you may have already you know met each other and stuff but um uh, for the commissioners also just introduce themselves sure sure I'm Tracy Trexel. Uh, I've spent probably the last 21 years working in transportation, um, never in the public sector, but usually in the private sector or as a consultant to industry agencies, uh, primarily focused on public transit, as well as um, road pricing, like totally congestion pricing. Um, and then also initiatives like uh, safety, Vision Zero, or asset management. And so most of my work has been around these areas. I moved to Kirkland three years ago and heard about the Transportation Commission and very excited to get the opportunity to serve. Thank you for being here. Yeah, yeah my name is Sam Rappaport. Um, I moved here to Kirkland about two years ago, so relatively recently. I work as an aerospace engineer um, and also as an outdoor recreation person here and there. Um, I've been on a few different committees. So I was on the Parks Funding Exploration Committee, which is how I found here. Uh, they recommended it. I'm also the, the King County Conservation Features Advisory Committee. Wow, that's so many words. Um, and yeah, I'm excited to, to apply a lot of the more outside active transportation stuff to um, for the city. I don't know if we should just briefly go around and say a few words about um, who we are. So, sure. Um, so I'm Brian McGee. I've been on the commission since pandemic, so 2020. Um, just I'm a civil engineer by trade, so I think that being here is kind of a really good opportunity to engage with the community, what's happening with transportation. It's a very important topic. I'm Patrick Vu, uh, civil engineer as well. So more background mega projects, urban projects, and totally express lanes consulting up and down the, the nationally and up and down the west coast. Um, but back, I uh, used to work for Cedar Kirkland as an intern. This was my first transportation engineering uh, under Iris back in 2000. Um, but I just moved back here two years ago to be closer to family. But long time Kirkland anchored resident since '89. So I've seen quite a bit of transition. Um, I grew up in the city. And before we came, no, living in Wayne, was before Cedar Kirkland actually annexed that portion about 10 years ago. Uh, well, I'm AJ Antrim. Uh, I work in trucking uh, and, um, well, technically a mechanical engineer, technically an electronics engineer. Uh, <laughs> uh, I care a lot about community uh, and walkability, bikeability, possibility. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, Shree. <laughs> Hello, I'm Shree. Um, 
I'm the only youth member on this commission. I'm a student at Lake Washington High School. I've been on the committee since 2020, but I'm still learning. <laughs> We do not have yeah. Sorry? Yeah. No. Uh, so I'm Faith DeVault. I've been on the commission since 2018. I've lived in Kirkland since 2011. Um, I'm a mechanical engineer by training and realize And I don't work in the transportation industry. I work in clean energy, clean buildings industry, um, but I care about transportation from the safe and active transportation perspective and also addressing traffic congestion and uh, climate crisis and all of those things. So, yeah, that's a good, good place to stop it there. So, that I think we can move on to the next item, which is the transportation improvement program update. And we will have George, help me with your last name. Aminasia. Uh, who is the capital project supervisor. And he will provide a presentation um, and we will review the proposed. Um, Transportation Improvement Program for 23 to 28 um, prior to the public hearing that will be held on a second for city council. Yep. Thank you. Uh, good evening. My name is George Minasian. I'm a supervisor at uh, the Capital Projects and Public Works. I'm here today to present to you the 2023-2028 Transportation Improvement Program, TIP, TIP, that will be, uh, this presentation is ahead of the May 2nd public hearing that will occur during the council meeting in the chambers that will be picked out of. So, um, second slide, thank you. Uh, TIP is a state mandated document that is updated annually that reflects uh, all the transportation projects uh, major projects that are uh, being anticipated to be built or that are going to be competing for grant funding within the next six years. The TIP also mirrors the transportation elements of the 2023-2028 CIP that was adopted by Council on December 13th, 2022. In the packet that you had uh, in the memo presented, there are two exhibits, Exhibit A and Exhibit B. In Exhibit A, all the projects in the TIP 2023-2028 are listed, and there is, there's a number next to them, and, and it shows in the map where their location, their approximate locations are around the city. In Exhibit B, they are listed under project name and number, and it also provides a description of these projects and the funding source of these projects. Looking at the, the tip of 2023-2028 and looking only at the funded projects, we can see that about half of them are non-motorized, quarter of them are 
maintenance, capacity projects, that is widening roadways and signals and so on and so forth, are 17%, I'm going to angle here. 3% uh, are safety, public transit is 6%, and 1% of miscellaneous projects. The distribution that we have for this tip. The purpose, uh, so in summary, we will have a public hearing on May 2nd. And the purpose of the public hearing uh, on the tip is to, is to provide the public an opportunity to comment uh, or to have an input on all planned transportation projects that the city has. And whatever the result of the public hearing is, the comments that we receive and the comments of the Transportation Commission will be included in a final finalized TIP 2023-2028 TIP that will be communicated to WASHDOT, PSRC, the neighboring agencies, King County, and the public utility companies. Any questions? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> the last meeting we had kind of a breakdown of monies that were spent. It was like a, a reckoning between how much was actually spent in the past five years versus how much was, was actually expended. So there was kind of a if I recall, I probably can provide that, but it was a it was a little gap in terms of maintenance versus capital expenditures, and then it was a gap between what we expected for roadway improvements versus um, you know multi-use pedestrian sorts of projects. For this tip, though, how much? I mean, I know we're breaking down like this is a, a nice balance between pedestrian projects and roadway projects. But how many of that? How much is that? Does that include stuff that were carried over because we didn't get to them? So it's kind of skewed. It's kind of like, oh, you know, if there's a pedestrian project or a roadway project, it keeps on getting delayed, like you know, 124th, you know, it gets delayed, kind of skews. Like you, you took credit for it, but then we're, we're still, it's still on the list, right? Still taking up capacity or a, a part of the pie. Does that make sense? Like, I just want to know, like, what got carried over and if that's corrected in terms of. So. Uh, I don't know, Joel might be able to answer because I was not here in the, in the last meeting, but if I understand correctly, you're asking me if projects in the past that are not part of the 2023-28 plan and they were part of, let's say, 22 plan are included in this tip. Right. The if answer is not included unless there is a portion, let's say we're doing 124th Avenue, which is not the case, let's say we're doing 124th Avenue that is not built yet, but it's 2021, 22 money. And we had to add, uh, let's say, money in 23 for it because it lacked funds. That portion of it would be included. However, the project itself is in the prior tip. Okay, so it's already taken, it's not double counted. It's That's already right. here. And your graphics represents that? Reflects that, that yes, well. oh, okay. it reflects that. Perfect, that was another question. Would you mind going back to that slide that had the graphics? The, uh, chart. the chart. Yeah. Um, I was wondering um, how something get. I feel like I don't really ask. How does something get characterized as capacity versus you know non-motorized? Non-motorized are basically anything that is pedestrian, bicyclist projects, sidewalks. 
they are all crosswalks. Crosswalks. They are all uh, non-motorized. And then what is capacity? Capacity is usually if we are widening a roadway, 124th Avenue in the previous tip was a widening project, which is a capacity. 100th Avenue is a capacity because we're widening it to five lanes, correct? Also, capacity would be signalized intersections that will in include, you know, or turning lanes that we are adding. Those are capacity projects. So capacity is only meant to cover for mobile for mobilized. Yes. So it seems like we should call it. I mean, we've got a non-motorized and like say that that means motorized. Well, the the one nuance to that is like the 100th Avenue project. The entire 100th Avenue project is in city so the cycle tracks and sidewalks that extend the length of that the cycle tracks that are part of the 124th widening project those all land in capacity because we've we've toyed with the idea of trying to split out those costs but it really it becomes a slippery slope so uh, in most cases the capacity projects there's a lot of vehicle capacity in there but there's a lot of other kind of capacity too it comes to these big, large, the way we currently build like street widening projects, there's usually a large active transportation too. Yeah, I guess I'm just, I don't understand um, why it's called capacity if it's primarily for car, you know, vehicular and motorized vehicular, whereas non-motorized is considered, is not considered capacity because those are handling trips. Um, and so it seems like that's just a different form of capacity. Yeah. For sure. That's when it comes to concurrency, that's how we count. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But I, I think say, I think there's a vernacular. Yeah, we, we could to, clarify too. Yeah, clarify that better. Okay. That's a good point. Okay. Um, so I was built, it'll pull up from the last meeting, the passion, passion fee, where there was a 30% off target, right? We were behind 30% of what we had anticipated to spend on maintenance. Is that 30% gone or is that going to be compensated this time around or is that gone forever in terms of maintenance uh, allocation? Part, part of the difficulty, and, and that was one of the things we struggled with with that chart from last time, is how to do that in a um, we almost didn't show the capacity part because it's kind of confusing because what we find is the reason that it looks like we're under investing in, in maintenance is not because we're not meeting our planned targets, but because we've grown the other projects so much. The, the overall, uh, the overall pie has gotten bigger Oh, we're over-investing in capacity, but we're not under-investing in maintenance. But when you do, when you divide up the pie, it looks like the percentage is less. Yeah, so it's, um, we struggle with that. That's why there's two tables there um, yeah. and why sometimes we've just not included maintenance because it it is does not show kind of the complete story. Now, that is, that is still only half of the story because we're meeting our planned investment targets, say around like pavement management or some of those things. That's kind of what we planned. But when it comes to things like 
that you know George could speak to much more eloquently than I could, like local, like we've talked about in the past, like local streets. Now our plan maybe doesn't fully address those issues, but we we are not under investing compared to our commitments. I guess my my response, I think mean, we had that conversation last time is that you know, yeah, the budget is be part of that situation. This things cost more. To me, although the maintenance hasn't expanded, the buying power for that maintenance right, has gone down. And so for me, it's, again, I'll challenge the staff to, to look at it from a, from a policy standpoint about strategically investing more in maintenance uh, rather than just, again, you know, yeah, we made our maintenance, but then we're ex we have much more capacity that we are for capital improvements that we've done. So again, it's one of the big things first and try to build you. This is kind of my challenge back to the staff. Two things. So one, a really low-level question. I don't know if you have that table in front of you, um, but that item 109 Northeast 85th Street and 6th Street Transit Q Jump. Um, so the title of that 108. Uh, uh, number 109, that ST 10800. Oh, okay. Okay. I don't have to. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you know it offhand, so we can hear yeah. it. Um, but the description of it is very much like, surface water stuff like is that a correct like i just don't understand enough like transportation stuff how does like how do those connect or is that it i still have it in trouble with you i can get it one too yeah this is a mistake. Thank okay. you very much. For yeah, I was trying to figure that out. <laughs> okay. It's a good new commission. Yeah. <laughs> so the description is inaccurate. That's exactly what we need in order to finalize. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, because that's <laughs> what that is, is we had to make upgrades at our maintenance center to um, to comply with the um, basically our surface water or stormwater permit. And basically it's, you know, it's about a million and a half of upgrades, you know, covering uh, materials, fixing structures and that sort of thing. So that's what the description is. That's not a roadway project. Okay. So. It is a trend project, that one. And it's just the description came there by mistake. mistake. However, okay. the funding is correct and it made it to the pie correct, correctly. And then uh, a high level question. So I may have missed it, but I, I'm just wondering like the philosophy, because I see it, there's like bike lanes and there's also investment in multi-use trails, but there's not a lot of like protected bike lanes. Uh, I guess <laughs> probably I will go to Joel, but I'm gonna say that uh, our our aim is to use protected bike lanes whenever we can, whatever whenever available. However, uh, if it is an existing roadway we're working with uh, as width, it's going to be, of course, hard to do that. In the new uh, roadways or uh, improvements or to existing roadways that we have, the widening ones, uh, Joel can answer that better than I do. We found out probably elevated uh, uh, bicycle lanes are uh, preferable. And that's what we went with, I think. Correct? This is a planning question. 
Yeah, I I think that that's a, a fair, that's a, a good summary. Um, we are challenged in Kirkland with, um, we've been building skinny streets for a long time and not fo focusing on adding vehicle capacity. And the, the great thing about that is we've been doing that for a long time. The unfortunate thing is we don't have um, a lot of excess lanes that we can reallocate that I think like, you know, Bellevue has more opportunities. Other cities um, have more of an opportunity to do that. Anybody who's been to downtown Spokane, I would love a chance to like reallocate streets in downtown Spokane because <laughs> they've got lots of potential for protected bike lanes. Um, but, uh, but to what George said, in most, I think in most all cases where we are doing major street widening projects, uh, we are making every effort to end up with, um, you know, separated protected bikeways. And I would say we have been look, we are, you know, consistently look for opportunities to put in bike, you know, buffered bike lanes, those kinds of things. Um, and we also, are continuing to have a conversation about what the right balance between maintenance and um, and uh, and um, and providing more protection, more buffer is when it comes to like using more temporary things like delay meters and things like that. So that's a quick question. Does does the budget reflect the, the new car tab? The TBT, yes, TBT, yeah. it is. It is reflected in here, okay. and probably that's why the non-motorized is, yeah, is fifty percent almost. Whereas last time it was probably twenty something percent. I don't remember the numbers correctly. That's probably yeah. a twenty-five million, thirty million dollar boost. Yeah, of the car tap. Yeah, and uh, I think last time you guys gave us this, like this is what the car tap gets us. That'd be a really cool story to say. Like, hey. Guess what? This is what gas no, the, the car tap is paid towards. So yeah. I think it would be great just for people to say, like, where, where does it go? It's like, it goes to these one. Right? Well, thank you for that, Patrick, because we will do an annual report. We will do a dashboard, hoping to bring that to you too. I think we've done the levy report, levy report, the TBD report, because um, you can look at that and, you know, hopefully with two hats, you know, with your technical hat, but your resident hat too, how to tell the story better. We are very weak on that. Yeah, there's always this guy between like funding sources and the what actually goes towards here. There's a very linear, hey, this, you're paying tax here, but that's what you're getting. That's I right. think it's always a helpful, I've, I've seen uh, places that it's helpful to tell a story. Yeah, it's a good idea. Any comments from other commissioners? I had a question. Are these projects prioritized? Are they prioritized, George? Uh, are the projects? Well, well, they, they are within the CIP, so they are prioritized as yes, as what we are intending the to do. Funded ones are prioritized. Funded ones are prioritized. Yes. And I don't know if you saw Shri in the list. There's a lot of unfunded projects which of course unfunded means they're not as high a priority right so the reason why did we put unfunded on there though yeah in order to seek grants for them basically 
And whatever you see in the pie that is presented now in the in the screen, if you can see it, these are the funded projects. And I thought you were asking. I don't these were you can, can see it. Can you see our screen? No, I can't see it. Yeah, oh, sure. Okay. I'm sorry. Um, can you share the screen? Uh, let's see. Go out and go. Sorry, Shree. Didn't mean to do that. No, I put it put it down in the chat, but I don't think it was noticed. Yeah. Can you see it now? Yeah. Hey. Thank you. You'll see it. Yeah. You can see it now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the ones that are presented here, I thought you were asking in the funded ones, yes, they're prioritized and that's why they're funded. We have a growing, growing, growing unfunded list. So when you're asking Shri if they're prioritized, are you asking about the unfunded ones? Like how do we decide the order? Uh, I was thinking more about um, if they're funded, like will crosswalk improvements and sidewalk improvements be on the priority list first before like widening the road or something? Um, it's, it's, it's a good question. So depending on where the, the crossings are, let's say a crossing at a school route would be more priority than any other crossing, let's say, within the same category. But if we're going to compare street widening to a crossing project, uh, there are two different ones uh, for different two. I mean, they're not prioritized against each other. Okay. That answered the question? Yeah, I was just wondering. Yeah. That's a great question, Shri. Okay. Yeah. Um, so thinking about the transportation master plan for memory, the, the priority order is kind of walking, biking, transit, um, like motorized or nice um, cars. Um, kind of looking at like the prioritization here, like the public transit looks like it's kind of underfunded in terms of priority. And, you know, there's some projects like the, like public transit speed and reliability improvements, passenger environment improvements that weren't funded. So I guess, I guess one, like, why is that? And more broadly, like, what was the process determined? Like what gets funded and what doesn't get funded? Mm, uh, do you want to take that one? I can, I can, I can describe, talk a little bit about that. One of the things, with the investment in transit is a significant amount of the public investment in transit is not by the city. So, so you know, for example, um, the, 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 the Metro K line, the BRT, you know, and also the 405 stride are um, major, transit projects that aren't reflected on this table because they're funded by Metro and Sound Transit respectively. And then what we try to do is, um, you know, be an active partner in that. And then um, one of the things we're focused on with that is providing better transit access. And so then that kind of ends up back in the, um, the, the non-motorized, which will come up with a better name part of the pie 
and you know really focused on those types of things and also like um, crossings and improving pedestrian bike safety and those those types of projects to promote access to transit that's being provided by It's such a great question because you know I think we're talking about here is our, our local budget, right? How much I we spend on this, but it's layered on, you know, it's part of a larger layer of funding from Washington, funding from South Transit County Metro. Is there any stats on that? Like in terms of how much does the seat of curtain get from is, is there a way? Because I know like 132nd, right? The Washington uh, interchange improvement, that's not our budget, right? But it's a chunk of money that the the cities get, right? The residents of the city pay. Is there a way, is there information on that that can be captured and say, hey, look, you know, there's, this is what the totality, right? Because some of the public, they don't know if Scarfling is washed out doing it or South Transit doing it, right? It's all just somebody's doing something out there. But if, if that would be, I don't know, if there's, you know, you're, you're ample staff time, you sort of like, yeah. Some, some, I mean, it's a good, it's a, I need an intern. It's a, but I see you're saying um, other other agencies making investments in Kirkland. Is there a way right. for us to capture? You guys swap for that, right? You, yeah. you know, no, we that's a fantastic have idea. We have like lobbying that, uh, that, that yeah. on our behalf, right? Metro so, South Transit, yeah. So that would be a nice little like entry on Flair's like yearly update with all the other traffic. That's a good idea. Yeah. yeah. Good idea, y'all. Okay. Well, I, mean, no, I think it would help that, that the transit story. Because people are like, what is that? And I was like, 6%. They just made all the road. It's like, well, somebody else is spending it. The other thing that's interesting to note along those same lines is that there is, in a growing community like Kirkland, there is an amazing amount of our infrastructure that isn't actually built by public money, it is built as part of requirements, no, not even impact fees, requirements for, um, you know, public requirements related to private projects, you know, frontage improvements, you think about all the, all the infrastructure that uh, Kirkland Urban built, or, um, you know, the village at Totem Lake constructed, all those kinds of things, um, you know, a lot of it's more local streets, but, um, you know, and we'll connect new connections, uh, that we get built in the city, much of that is all required as part of it. So. And, and that's great to say because, you know, everybody's always like, oh, there's so much regulation in city curve, right? There's always this, but you know, some of this is like, because it's, it's all just paid for these improvements, you know, it's connectivity sidewalks. Yeah, I was just going to ask on that same thing. Does that include things like, I use the cross curve corridor a lot, and I've noticed mm -hmm. that there's been in the last two, three years major improvements on the Google campus. So would those be funded by the city or by Google? Those are funded by Google. And those wouldn't be reflected in these numbers. No, they get reflected on kind of our the rural kind of assets, the counting side. So we're having to report it on the counting side of the house. But no, we, we maybe can make that available too. I'll, I'll look into it. We do have an interim. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to make her come to a transportation commission meeting and, and meet you, Patrick. See what you can recall. <laughs> Private investment. Yeah. yeah. No, but I think it's a great story. Yeah. It's a great story. Especially like for... No, I think, I think it's a great idea. Like, 
was wondering kind of back to Sam's question on sort of what is included in that 6%, um, how much when there are things like signal prioritization for buses or any notion of, you know, allocating, a, dedicating a lane for transit only, how much of that is funded by the city versus, you know, if it's in the metro? Um, so it, we have tried to get more into that game and partner with King County Metro. Um, the, the city was a relatively small investment, but the, um, the, the city came up with the concept and approached King County Metro about the, our, you know, our transit lane south on 98th there at Forbes Creek Drive. Um, and uh, they ended up um, they ended up contributing some in kind you know uh, equipment because that was fairly fairly straightforward for them to do. Um, the 108 much of this six percent is the uh, 108 Q jumps, the northbound Q jump that was that came out of the Sixth Street corridor study on 108th Avenue Northeast, um, and that's one where we are continuing to work with Metro and are trying to move that project forward and make an investment in that. But um, in the end, they may end up funding quite a bit of that because it, it makes the overall rapid ride project look better and it makes our, you know, the city's money go further. So we always look for opportunities to work with them. But um, I think the city has tried to continue to show a good effort that we're willing to put, you know, our our money where our mouth is and try to do those do those projects too. So would something like making sure that uh, bus stops are well lit or installing uh, covered uh, waiting areas at bus stops, would that then fall under non-motorized improvements? With, um, with investments like in shelters in particular, we do rely on King County Metro to do that. So that would not be reflected here. With things like um, lighting and other improvements, we, uh, in most cases, those are also, we rely on working with Metro and having them make those investments. Most of our lighting investments that we've done are around particularly safety and um, upgrading at crosswalks. That's what we've been in, focused on over the last few years, but um, yeah. Our our investment really is in working, you know, highlighting issues, taking them to Metro and making sure that they're um, paying attention to Kirkland and they know what's going on here because um, you know, they've got a really big system and they're, um, they can only address issues that they know about. <laughs> Jill, I assume that you can kind of talk about the City money here is really what the city owns and maintains, but that is that Metro retains ownership and maintenance of the big ones like shelters, like not things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a way to know when I was looking through all of this mm -hmm. how the percentages there correlate? There doesn't appear to be a categorization. Yeah. You kind of have to read the descriptions to say yeah, non-motorized versus safety versus mm -hmm. 
so if you read the description, it will tell you what it is. But usually also, if you look at our project numbers, just oh, right. uh -huh. here, okay. if it starts with an ST, most probably it's a capacity. That means it's streets. Okay. The NM is non-motorized. <laughs> T would be public transportation. Now, there are projects that are uh, safety projects, but mm -hmm. they are, let's say, classified under TR, which is transportation general. Let's say Vision Zero that you mentioned earlier, right, right. right? It's under safety. It's not under transportation. So the TR projects, we have to read the descriptions to know which part of the pie they go into. Okay. And so on the pie, is the pie allocated or budgeted with those percentages, or is that just a representative of what we have now. What we have now funded, yes. Okay, okay. So, it's, so it's not like we said, oh, we want at least 3%. No, it's, okay. it's a statistics after the fact. Okay, great, thank you. Just so that you know where the money is being allocated in the CIP. Okay. And I think the CIP shows more of those, the goals. Okay. Yes. Projections and our measuring. Um, and we talked about that the two meetings. Last meeting. And so if you look at the uh, materials from the March meeting, you can see that. Oh, that's cool. Is, that, is yeah, it March? March. I, I, yeah, it feels March. right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Any other comments? Can I got one more. Sure. Uh, so one hyper-specific question. Um, so I saw that the uh, 132 in Slater, um, that intersection is funded to be improved. Does that include yes. the Cross-Kirkland Corridor crossing? That is the Cross-Kirkland Corridor crossing. Okay. So currently, as you know, the CKC stops at the west side of 132nd, and the other side is uh, the ERC, we'll call it, the east side rail corridor, correct? So we want to link the two so that pedestrians don't and have then, to go to the intersection and cross. Okay. And, then and currently we have this project. Full. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Now we have a, car, a project in design and we're waiting for the results of it to see what it will be. Is it a hawk signal? Is it a pedestrian bridge? Whatever it is. And that will be bridging that, that gap. Any other questions or corrections? <laughs> I think on the, the last one, I will, I would note that um, we are, you know, we completed our study work and the, unless something, unless something major changes the project that we'll be building at that crossing at 130 seconds later of the CKC Trail, um, would be the like a hawk type signal, um, and uh, um, there are not the hawk. I've said this book. It's a horrible acronym. I can never remember it um, because it's not like the first letters. Anyway, it's a. Um, it is. The, there are not a lot of them on the east side, um, but they're they're not a rapid flashing beacon which is basically a device that raises, it's like a, not a traffic, it's not really a traffic control device as much as it raises, a, it raises awareness that their pedestrians exist. 
a hawk signal actually includes, um, you know, red ball, you know, red, you know, balls that say you have to stop here. And, um, and the, the one that is nearby, if you're familiar with it, is in Redmond off of Willows Road, kind of near the AMPM, you know, Willows Road, you go and you go up to 148th Avenue on that corner, there is a hawk signal. It basically makes you press the button if you're a pedestrian or, you know, a roller and you press the button, it actually has a red hand, you stop and then you get a walk and then you can actually cross. So it, it's actually another level of kind of uh, safety. And the vehicles get a red light to yes. stop. And it's it's pretty uh, uh, useful. I mean, they even the state even has it on SR one hundred four, and it does work perfectly in in Edmonds. Yeah. We typically use them a lot where we have higher volumes and higher speeds in multiple lanes, where we're really concerned about the multiple lane threat type thing, and that's where that's where we're trying to go to more with those types of projects. We'll be also installing a hawk signal as part of the one twenty fourth. Avenue project. Two of them. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, two of them on Northeast 124th yes, Street. Yes, and Northeast 124th Street. I was going to sit on a bike on 32 intersection, so I'm looking forward to it. Oh, yeah. Do those hot signals ever come with like the, the like, uh, the traffic cameras that are sometimes in intersections? Um, that's something we're actually talking about now. Um, I'm not the the one. The goal is is that they will be equipped um, like a traffic signal, so they will be connected up to the signal system, and they will include um, a CCTV camera so that we can see what's going on, those types of things. Um, with a couple of these first ones, that may not be the case, but the one at um, Slater that is. In the current scope, is to do that. Is these the new signal at the new fire station one thirty second considered a hawk, or is that considered a regular traffic signal? It's a regular traffic signal. Okay. Great comments and discussion. I think we're probably done with the topic. And then move on to the program. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, George. Thank you. So we now have Don Robinson, who is senior, senior community engagement coordinator, and he's going to provide a presentation um, on the recommended neighborhood safety Good evening. Thank you, Nisha. Thank you, Faith. I am Don Robinson. I am the Senior Community Engagement Coordinator here in the city out of the city manager's office. And one of my very favorite and awesome responsibilities is being the facilitator of our neighborhood safety program. And so I'm going to go over uh, our recommendations for our neighborhood safety program and go over the projects with you guys. Um, and then we're going to have these after we talk to you guys next Tuesday at the council meeting. I will present it to the council and to get their approval for. So I'll click through them. I'm gonna give, uh, some of you are new to uh, the commission, so I'll give a quick overview of what the, what the neighborhood safety program is, go over the projects that we are anticipated to be approved for funding, 
also just give you a little look at some of the ones that were not approved um, through the neighborhood program. They don't have any questions. Okay, so a little background. Uh, so the neighborhood safety program uh, is to re-energize re neighborhoods through partnerships of capital project implementation. Uh, in 2014, our Kirkland Alliance of Neighborhoods and other neighborhood leaders came together to develop this program. And then in June of 2014, the city council authorized the implementation of the ongoing program. So this is our uh, ninth year, give or take. The pandemic maybe took a year away from us, but this is the ninth year going into it. Uh, and the program has a couple of goals. It provides incentives for neighborhoods to participate. So the NSP representatives are people who are active in their neighborhood association. So each neighborhood association elects an NSP rep to participate in this program. Um, it's to address the safety needs of pedestrian and our walkways here to make it the street safer for our bikers and our walkers. Uh, foster neighborhood self-help and build a sense of community. This is a very um, interactive process when the neighborhoods they get together we, we met uh, with myself the neighborhood reps George was a really huge help with me in this program uh, and they come together and make a decision they have to get along and vote and disagree and agree and this is how they come to the projects we'll talk about uh, increased collaboration with the neighborhood between the neighborhood and with the city government like I said there's a team uh, in the government that helps it's me uh, George Rod um, Iris, who some of you know, and uh, Victoria Kovacs, uh, Danny Rollins also helped with us as well. Um, we leverage funding with matching contributions and with other agencies. That's a financial technical thing that I'm going to just skip right over. <laughs> um, and we collaborate with businesses, schools, parent teaching associations, Cascade Bike Club, Beat First, Kirkland Greenways, and other organizations, uh, depending on the submitted projects for that time. And create an equitable distribution of improvements throughout the city, being that there's one representative from each program, from each neighborhood. Um, so there's all over the city are submissions, and uh, it's a very fair process that we go through to make sure uh, which projects receive the funding for the year, which I'll go over with you. So the process. So there's a couple of ways that we find the process. All throughout the year, people can submit through our uh, suggested capital improvement projects, successor project. Uh, all of those get in, they get filtered to me, and I keep a running list of them throughout the year. And when the neighborhood safety program starts, that's kind of like the first thing I present. It's like, hey, here are everything that everyone in the community thinks and kind of organized it by a neighborhood so people can take a look at what they have. Also, the neighborhoods can come with their own ideas throughout the year, through their meetings, through their conversations with their community members. Uh, they may come up with a, a, a street or a sidewalk or something that's uh, bothering them that they think would be a really good addition to the neighborhood safety program. And then also we have our transportation plans, um, things like our transportation master plan, the upcoming TBD uh, have already identified projects in them and sometimes the neighborhoods need recommendations and so that's another place that we could go um, and already identified need that's approved by our um, public works team. Okay, so this year was a little different. As I mentioned, the pandemic is still one year away from us. So this 2023 was actually 2022 and 23 put together. 
And so we have a pretty accelerated timeline that we worked with, which was fun because we got in and we got the work done. But then also it allowed for the funding to um, increase. So usually every year the NSV program is funded through $350,000. Uh, this year, we were able to increase that to $700,000 because we were we wanted to make sure the pandemic was no one's fault, right? And so because we didn't do it, we don't want people to lose out on it. So because of that, we were able to do an extra project. And also people were able to have a larger amount of projects to choose from because we allow people to submit more um, in case they had some from the last year that hadn't been done. So uh, the way that it works, we had a project idea form. So the conversations about the different projects and all of that happened a little bit in November, in October and November. And then there was a form that's due in December. And then when that took that form, uh, the internal team, we looked over all of the presentations, made sure that uh, they were good projects and they were safe projects. So we made no grading on if the project would be good to fund or if we would do a recommendation, it was just if this is a safe project. Uh, and then we talked with the neighborhoods on February 2nd and 3rd to let them know our findings from that initial look over the project. And then by February 14th, they needed to let us know which projects they wanted to move forward with. Um, of those projects that they moved forward with, we took February 21st and sat down and did our staff review. Uh, March 2nd, I met with all of the neighborhoods together in a meeting and went over each project for them to review. And then they had to send back their uh, criteria to me. Now we're here today. We have all of our projects identified and I'm presenting it to you today. And then I'll be at the council meeting next Tuesday. And then all the projects are anticipated to be completed in 2024. Okay, so I'll go over the scoring a little bit for you. I know it's kind of hard to see, uh, but I'll go into more detail. So each project receives a city engineer's technical score, which I'll go over, and that's the internal team. And we really just look at a very technical aspect of the project. No personal feelings if we think that it's a good project or if it's waste time or this isn't really, you know, we it's a very technical procedure that we go through based off of things that are identified from the transportation master plan. And then we walk with the neighborhoods and give them the score. And that is a much more, um, do you feel this is a good thing? You know, is this a benefit to you? Is this a benefit to your community? Not very technical, but in how you feel about the project. And if you think that it's worth the time and the money that we'll put into it. And then we take both of those together and we come up with a final score and then we just rank the final scores. So just a little bit more detail, like I said, the technical stuff comes from the transportation master plan policy. So it's things about safety, crashes, making connections with sidewalks, uh, linking it to current land use, um, if it's equitable through Title VI, um, if it's a part of a, one of our plans already, uh, does it have neighborhood support? So in one of the questions on the application, is it um, a project, they get to do two projects. And so which one do you guys feel is the best project? So if we take that into small consideration as well. Um, and then if it's going to require additional maintenance outside of the implementation of it. So all of those are technical things that we take into account for the work. And then, like I said, for the neighborhood, there's a more, um, is it a neighborhood benefit? 
how many people does this um, project benefit? Does the benefit justify the cost? Um, is there a community benefit of people outside of your neighborhood? So if we do this, are people, other people in our community can benefit from it? They visit your neighborhood. Um, and then if there's a partnership, is there a way to have the people in the neighborhood uh, contribute to what we're doing? So, you know, again, part of the reason to have this program is to get people energized and to get them more active into the neighborhood. And so that's how their criteria comes across. So once we do all this, we come up with the projects that we have. And so here is a list of the 15 projects that were submitted for review. Uh, and they're all ranked. This is the score that they got from the staff. This is the score that they got from the panel. And then the combined score is how it's um, organized uh, when and it's just adding the two scores together. Uh, out of the 15 projects that were identified, four of them are being recommended as top priority projects because they meet the funding standard that we have. Okay, so the four projects that we're going to uh, recommend is one, and I'll go through all of these for you as well. Uh, a crosswalk extension at Waverly Way and second to Heritage Park, a rectangular um, rapid flash beacon on Lake Street and 10, a, another rapid flashing beacon at King State Library 124th, and then a walkway completion uh, on 7th Avenue between 3rd and 4th. And like I mentioned earlier, the financial um, threshold is $700,000. And so um, a rough estimate uh, is $632,000 for these projects, which leaves about a 10% contingency if things you know, swing upward as they've been doing uh, over the other time. So like I said, the first one is funded. It received 125 points and it is basically creating a crosswalk from 2nd to Waverly um, to go to the park. And to do so, in order to make it compliant, we have to extend the concrete sidewalk about five feet. So that is a safe landing. The second project that's being funded received 122 points. And our GIS, GIS system is a little bit behind on what's really there. And this is the corner, if you know where the Aegis Living Facility is. And this is where this is located. So it'll just be one of those flashing ones that we mentioned earlier to help people get across safely. This one right here is going into the King State Library. There's already a crosswalk there. And so just added safety of adding the RRFP to it. And then this one, the 108 points, is the walkway on 7th Avenue between 3rd and 4th. And it's basically completing a walking path right here. It's kind of hard to see. Um, and if you complete that, and in past years, we've done other sections of this. So it'll make this entire way walkable and safe for people in strollers or something like that. They don't have to go into the street or walk across or anything like that. Um, and so I just did this quick little map just to show um, how it was dispersed with these four. This is the first one here in Market. The other one is here in Moss Bay. This is the RFB, another RFB up here in Kingsgate, and then finally the walking path in Northburg. So it's kind of distributed around the city, not concentrated in one neighborhood at all. And so the other projects, which are not going to be recommended, Funded. I do want to just go through and with you guys um, so you can have a 
these are the list shows are where they're at. Um, this is another RFB at stage three. Uh, and them not being funded does not mean that these projects are not good or that they wouldn't have a benefit. It is purely that is the cutoff. We have a financial cutoff. We rank them and whatever fits within that financial cutoff is done. That does not mean that these projects will never get done. Uh, it just means they won't be funded through this program. They have been brought to the attention. Everyone on the CIP team is now aware of these needs. And so as we are doing more plans and have ways of connecting uh, the dots kind of on this project is doing here. So maybe, oh, remember we had this on NSP that's not far, maybe we can do all of this together. So these aren't um, dead on arrival, they're just dead right now. Would they stay on a list for say um, upcoming years or do they have so, to be resubmitted? No, they will be, they can be, they have to be resubmitted, but they can be resubmitted. So if a neighborhood wants to say, this is really the one that we want and they would push it through, they can resubmit it. Yes. And I think, uh, George, if I'm not incorrect, the Kingsgate one is one that was submitted two years ago and they wanted to do it and it, it just got through this time. Yeah. So another RFB here on state, this is a sidewalk connection here in the South Roseville Bottom Trails area. This is another RRFB here um, on 116th and Juanita. This would be a crosswalk we would add here at Ben Hill Middle School to help with the flow of traffic. This is another crosswalk helping to get across the street in South Roseville Bridal Trails. And lower rate is just lower on the chart. Again, none of these projects are bad. All of these projects have value. It's just how the technical and the neighborhood came together to vote. The sidewalk here on Central Houghton on 111. This is the international school right here. So what this would do is this would add a sidewalk here and help connect it all the way from the road all the way to the school. Another sidewalk segment going into the Helen Keller, Helen Keller School in Juanita, again, just making a sidewalk to connect it all the way to the school from the street. This right here would have been a buffering of the striping of the bicycle buffer, sorry, update of the stripe of the bicycle buffer through striping at Penberg Elementary. Radar signs here at this intersection. And then again, radar signs again. Here. So coming into this South Roseville area. And then finally, school zone flashers um, on 108th and 52nd Avenue in Central Houghton. So it would be here and here. And this is the location in general. It would be on this street right here on 108th and then right here on 52nd. Okay, so the next steps. So as mentioned before, we'll bring this to the city council to get their approval on these projects. Um, and then once we have their approval, CIP will go out and do the process for bidding, contracting, and construction. So they will do it all at one time to get the best rate for the work that needs to be done. And then we are hoping, fingers crossed, that all of the projects will be done by 2024. Uh, like I mentioned, the, um, like I mentioned earlier, we did, we are missing a year. We had to skip a year. And so the project say the projects that were approved in 2021, 
two, there were three of them, two of them have been completed and one of them are anticipated to be completed um, later this summer. So with that, I'll take any questions that you have. Lots of questions. Uh, right. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm really enjoy seeing all of these um, as a past uh, representative. Oh, thank you. Um, I've been through the process for many years. Uh, handed off that role, but it's fun to see what you can do. One question that I'm seeing on this, we dealt with this, you know, if you're back when the money went further, um, here we had seven hundred thousand dollars. We have how many neighborhoods in the city? So we have thirteen neighborhoods. Uh, Eleven, nope, nine of the neighborhoods participated this year. And so we funded a total of four projects with double the money. Yes. And so was there any discussion amongst the neighborhood representatives or amongst city staff about a recommendation to council to make sure that this program has viability going forward? I know a concern is in a regular year, this would have been two projects to bring together all of the stuff from the city staff and their representatives. That may become harder to face. Brian, let me tell you, there was lots of discussion going on in that room when these projects came about. Um, yeah, so the big the elephant in the room when you're doing this is that those RFBs, they have a giant safety benefit, right? but they're increasingly so expensive because of the quality that we use, right? And so it's hard because you get in a room and half of the room love them and think this is the best thing that we should do. And then the other half of the room believes that, hey, we could do so many projects, right? We went and George was there, we had a very extensive conversation and we did different models of like, hey, if we didn't do this, this is what we could do. But what we decided, and I can let you know is that there is, there does need to be some type of change to the structure of the program, right? Um, they're not going to just be able to say like none of two things, $350,000 is the amount that is for the foreseeable future for this program. And one of the things which I agree with is that it's really hard to make a decision on change in the middle, right? Because someone's going to feel left out, someone's going to feel like it's against the rules or, you know, it's, you know, all kinds of feelings when you have 10 people in the room making a decision. So what we've decided to do this summer when the neighborhoods take off and can takes off, we're actually going to get together with them and sit down and try to come up with a new solution. Because you're right, you know, I wasn't here eight, nine years ago when it kind of first started, but you used to be able to do, you know, a good bit of projects, right? Um, and so we can't change the rules in the middle of it. So what we're going to do is sit down and evaluate and try to make it with the 10-year anniversary. Um, something that is still um, very viable and impactful. So we will look at it, yes. Yeah, definitely in support of that. I know a while back, RFBs could go in for like 100 to 150,000. So you could still do a healthy number of projects, even though it's one of those um, I think there's an appetite for safety improvements that aren't just on materials, but just on the school as well, and gets submitted by the neighbors because they know that. Yeah. And then it goes down the road. So there's a lot of benefit and safety components that are internal to the neighborhoods. That would be interesting to see, and whether it's in a one year cycle. Well, hopefully, the next time I come to you guys, it feels a little bit different. Yeah. Do you have a question? Tracy? Yeah, I had a question and then you 
caused me to have another question, but um, I know that you, you estimate 632K and I don't think I've ever seen a project that didn't overrun its budget. But that being said, if there was money remaining, are there additional projects on the waiting list or what happens to those funds? Great question. Okay, so like I said, we had seven hundred thousand dollars. We six hundred thirty-two is what we're estimated. Let's give us about a ten percent contingency if something goes over. Um, if by some chance we have a uh, surplus of money, it will just roll over into the next years. Uh, because I, if I go back, I can show you the next. So if you're being fair and list, you know, and going by what rank, the next ranking project was two hundred and forty thousand dollars. So we just can't do we, that. We can't do right. that one. And even if we only spend it the six hundred and thirty-two thousand, that's about eighty thousand dollars that we'll have that will kind of just roll over into the next year. And so we'll have that money there to be able to do hopefully more projects. Right, but it'll be allocated to the NSB. Yeah, yeah. This this money okay. is allocated to NSB every year. Yeah. Okay. And then the next question, just because you know what we were talking about with the um, RRFPs. And you say some love them, some hate them, largely because they're so expensive. Um, do we look at the projects from the perspective of the safety benefit? Like this, if we invest in it, is likely going to reduce, you know, pedestrian fatalities by this amount or something like that. Yes. Ma'am, yes, we do. That is probably, so, so that's part of the criteria. Yeah, okay. and that's part of the reason why the RRFB score so high, okay. because they are insanely safe. They help right. you cross many busy intersections um, without you know, the flags that we have downtown or just like booking it, right? right. And so it is score really high, so they get a right. really high score on it. So that's why also why they, they, they come through because you know, if we're looking clearly at Chattanooga Master Plan and the safe, improving the safety of the people who ride bikes and walk, yeah, there, there, there's almost nothing else that will do what they do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I, I think adding on to that question, because there's kind of two different philosophies you can take. It seems like there's a scoring of like this project is the best project and this is the second best, et cetera, et cetera, that doesn't take into account the cost. So like, did you give like the panel the option of like we have seven hundred thousand dollars, like buy what you want, or was it like? Rank your favorite project. They, they are aware of the price of every project. So part of that neighborhood conference is that we tell them how much we think it's going to cost, the benefits of it, any pitfalls that we think are going to do it. Because we're not, as long as it's a safe project, we don't say no. You can submit whatever you want. But that neighborhood panel time, that time when we go through and look at all of the details of it. We give them all of the every all information we have. We give it to them, and on their scoring sheet, there is a question that asks, "Do you think the cost justifies the benefit?" I think it. <laughs> I see Shree has her hand raised. Oh, I'm sorry. I had a question: Is pedestrian hybrid beacons cheaper than um, RRFBs? Pedestrian what? Pedestrian hybrid beacons. You know what that is? The hybrid beacons. Oh, uh -huh. uh, Hawk is more expensive than the RFB. Oh, okay. 
Yeah. What I've learned is the more polls it has, the more money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this was my first year doing the NSP, so I learned a lot very fast. <laughs> Another problem with both RF shoots and Oxygenus currently mm -hmm. is supply issues. <laughs> we order them now and we're going to get them in six months later. That's the other problem. AJ, uh, do you know what the benefit of the the uh, rapid flashing beacons versus like a lower speed limit is like which which would be more beneficial for pedestrian safety because it seems to me also like a lower speed limit Does would help <laughs> I have my own, I guess, but I <laughs> professional friendship. <laughs> so, um, there, I think our approach is that it is more of an and type of thing. So, um, we are, I think that's a, a, a newer way that we are going with the Vision Zero action plan and more of a, a safety, like an overall safe systems approach and looking at how in the city we can continue to modify our design standards to promote just slower speeds overall. There's in the, the industry has certainly made a sea change over the last few years in going away from a very dogmatic, pro, dogmatic approach to setting speed limits and recognizing that there is you know, there is a contextual piece to speed limit setting and things like that. But um, I would say that, um, I would not say that there's a, like a either or with those types of, those types of things. We are looking at ways where we can slow speeds so that when people are crossing the streets, everybody's safer, regardless of if there's an RRFB at a location or not. Um, but the legacy of how we've designed streets, it's just changing the speed limit isn't gonna, gonna do it alone. But I mean, it's, it is complicated because there are certainly places, I think as we're starting to look at, we're doing a process this year, it was one of the major things that came out of the, uh, the um, Vision Zero Action Plan is to look at a reevaluation of how we set speed limits in Kirkland. And that's something that um, the commission will be involved in is that process um, so that we can be more, kind of look more holistically at it. And I think there are some um, candidates around the city um, uh, where we'll be looking at that really seriously. Do we have any um, input or even control over the I noticed there was an accident on the 405 a couple of weeks ago, and ways rerouted everybody down to State Street, and State Street was just a stuffed parking lot from the Lake Washington School all the way down to downtown. And I guess I'm curious if I had someone tell me one time in one of my jobs to say, ways is rerouting people through the airport of Google Can How can we modify that? there any way to impact how it chooses the route so that it doesn't go to areas like right by a school or whatever where you're taking all that freeway traffic right down that way? 
Um, did you ever find out? Um, no. Quick answer is no. Yeah. It's we actually had been asked before. Yeah. Uh, on on I mean on other I mean in, in other states with regards to ways rerouting. Um, it's it's not it's not in the control of any local agency. Ways just looks at the flow of traffic and reroutes based on the algorithm of which way is faster. It doesn't choose whether that is like a school zone where there's a lot of kids playing or where it's a private neighborhood where people prefer it that it's not busy. So it, it just goes based out of the which is the faster way to get to where you're going. So to answer your question, no, it's but it has been asked before. I've heard that question asked several times. A lot of people would like to have that capability to have it route to specific roads instead. One of the major reasons is Waze also announces where DUI checkpoints are at. So it kind of defeats the purpose when you're putting that there to check for people, then Waze is going to tell them how to get around it. So it's it's just based on the where's the fastest way to go. Yeah, I have a question, but I just have a funny story because that before Waze, this is 23 years ago, one of my first intern project was to respond to a lady was asking to put a, a motor crossing between Bellevue and Jericho. She lived at home. She was like, why can't we do this as part of the traffic calming is put a, a, a gate only for Kirkland residents? I was like, <laughs> I was like whoa. <laughs> So uh, yeah, I think waste new technology, but I think that that rerouting of my to my neighborhood has been a big has always been around. Kind of segues to my questions. I think I think I'm putting off of Brian's comment about you know these things are really expensive. This RF you know RF stuff three hundred thousand. You know, these other projects are three hundred thousand uh, thirty thousand. We rebooted the neighborhood tra traffic calming program. How does that all fit in? I mean, like you know you got got a lot of these ideas, a lot of these concerns. And, you know, we have this, we talked about capital improvements and you guys are smiling, so, but it, get my chips, right? Like, wow. how does all these things, I mean, there, there's loads already hanging fruits. There's a lot of concerns out there. I mean, so I will say one of the projects that was submitted through the NSB program that was not selected was then moved over to the NCTP program. Uh, it's actually the first one. It's on Waverly Way and it's a, um, speed, um, so it's a speed mitigation factor. So we all do work together. Victoria, who handles that program, was an integral part of helping me with this program. And so, um, like I said, there's always ways of trying to look and see these projects are good projects. The N NSP is a funding program, right? So once these projects are brought to our attention, um, we find ways right, to connect them, right? And so, like I said, that was just, that's just one example where it was almost immediate, like, hey, this one isn't going to do it, but we have another way to do it. And so, it's always just being mindful of these projects, thanking the community for bringing them to our attention, and then figuring out how we can get it done. So, like I said, these projects aren't dead. You know, this, these RFBs, like the one, the other one in Moss Bay. I think is a part of, it's gonna be a part of a Lake Washington Promenade study, I think, or something like that. Washington so Boulevard. Washington Boulevard yeah. Promenade. So like, that's just another way that these projects are now in our vision 
of how to make it safer. Because they're all good projects. They're all they all matter. You know, it's just only so much money in in SD. Okay. Oh, in terms of the uh, online submission area, is there anything there that recommends to the public like what sorts of things can be done that would improve safety as a like general? These are the sorts of projects. So that as, are as to suggest the project. It's really if you see a problem, mm -hmm. you, you you recommend it to us, and we um, even outside of the NSB, it's seen by the capital improvement team and the public works team. And but it just comes. It's like, hey, this is something that would be good that could go through NSB. The type of project that it is. Oh, so so do they then say like we want a crosswalk, or do they submit things like? Crossing here is dangerous. Both. Okay. Both. Sometimes they're very specific on what they're asking for, and sometimes it's like, hey, this is a problem. How are you going to fix it? And is it specifically to something that's called neighborhood safety, or it's just here's a request, and then that gets kind of added to a list as a potential project? But the person who submitted it isn't necessarily. Safe. They don't have to know that it's the neighborhood safety okay. program. Right, no. Just a comment, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, next time you guys put out like a, you know, here's application or dates, you know, it'd be great. Let's let us know here. Because I, I, didn't, I didn't know this, oh, this happened, right? Yeah. This process. Occurred. Yeah, honestly, right now it, it's because it's a neighborhood association program. So it's people who are active in their neighborhood associations are part of it. I know, like, this is my spiel. Yeah. I'm putting on my hat. Not, not that we can let you guys know, but that's, that's kind of how the, Promotion is it's it's a big part. The representatives are people who are picked by their neighborhood association, and so it's just one way that the neighborhood associations are actively involved and linked with the city. So, so it's open because it was quiet for so when you joined in twenty twenty one. I know. Yeah, it's because okay, so it was we quiet for a year. I think maybe that it also just wasn't. And then there's. Suggest a project which any person in, you know can right. suggest it. This is just another way I think of just soliciting more input specific to the neighborhood, democratizing kind of this in a way. Is um, it just advertised to the neighborhood reps or sounds like it is, yeah. right, Don? Just yeah. mainly to those 13 so, neighborhoods. Yeah. It, and it, then they should send it out should, though, right? Yeah. So they okay. So <laughs> the neighborhood. Their own. Yeah, yeah, we are we are there. I am their liaison. I help them do things, but I can't tell the neighborhood what to do. And so one of the things is that with a you know active neighborhood association base. They will reach more people. Now, maybe they should, when it's time to do the NSP, um, do more outreach for it. But I think, in general, the idea is participate with the neighborhood associations. There's so many other types of projects aside from NSP that we have that we go and get the input on. What was the reason why, like, only nine of 13 actually participated or submitted? They decided they didn't want to do one person submitted. And then when we came back with the information, we said, hey, maybe we should think of something else. They were like, oh, no, that's all we wanted. And then they just didn't do it. Totem Lake does not have an active base at all. So there was no one from Totem Lake to do it. Um, one group, they just decided, you know, they don't have, you don't have to participate. They just decided that they didn't want to. So two of them didn't submit anything. 
So the link is one that isn't really an active neighborhood association at all. And then um, it was the North Coast Hill that actually submitted an RRFB. We told them the price and it was basically like, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Patrick, I, I was wondering if also, are you um, asking about the commission being notified earlier in the process? Right, yeah. Well, no, just even knowing that, well, hey, I didn't realize this, but even the timeline, like, hey, this is coming up. Like when, when they are meeting and they have a list of projects and you're doing your prioritization, or are you asking or, about? Or even when there's, at the point of solicitation, it's like, you know, no offense, but these neighborhood folks may not, we yeah. haven't reached out to anybody. Right, like, we like, could do that, right? You yeah, just, well, I mean, we could definitely yeah. let you guys know. Let, what it, let us let you know, know, and, and we'll you guys put it on our agenda. So yeah, FYI. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's every fall. Idea. So yeah, definitely, we can definitely do that. Yeah. And then one larger note: Can you go back to the map of like the the four that were selected? Um, so you you know way more about this than me, and like you know how the different neighborhoods like interact and are involved, but just like. To my knowledge, at a high level, like from an equity lens, like the income, like on the south end of Kirkland, is generally higher, and that kind of gradiates down. Uh -huh. And then you kind of, you know, that kind of follows. And like a sample size of four is not a great sample, so like, yeah. I can't make any conclusions. But like just thinking of the structure, since it's like one person per neighborhood, uh -huh. and like I don't, I don't know what geographically, like where all those are in the map. But like, is there a way to kind of correct to make sure that like the folks who might be in at least less safe areas and like maybe lower income, like so that definitely the, get more. Those are part of the things that we do on the technical side. Okay. That we do give points for um, specific areas. So like if it's like um, the Title Six stuff, it's like if there's a language issue or if there's people more disabled people that may live there. One of the projects was submitted to us because there was a child. Uh, who's in a wheelchair and there was no way for them to cross the street. Um, and so as far as that from our end, we do take those things into consideration. Um, and and it is the lower half, you know, we do know how that works, but everyone can submit. Finn Hill was represented, Juanita was represented, Kingsgate actually got a project, you know, and so everyone, it's fairly equitable in that way because it's one section, you know, one vote. Yeah, and everyone gets a chance to do so. Yeah, and I think um, maybe to, I had a similar question as Patrick about kind of how projects ultimately do get funded. And if we saw the distribution of the broad variety of safety projects that get funded, but just not necessarily through this program, I think we'd see a more equitable distribution and then I think another thing, because I had asked a similar question the last time we had this, um, uh, you know, looking over time where the projects are getting funded. And I remember a response there was, well, sometimes, you know, first a crosswalk gets put in, and then the next year they come back and ask for the RRP. Yeah. And so it looks like, you know, maybe there's favoritism to a particular neighborhood, but it's because that safety project wasn't fully completed yet, so it got split out over two years. Um, but I do think it'd be interesting to see kind of the whole um, set of, you know, these more kind of non-notarized projects that are being funded, and in particular the uh, transportation benefit district projects. 
you added those in there, we'd see a much better distribution. But I appreciate you making that. I don't know if you were already going to do that, but that was a request. <laughs> oh, yeah. Whatever helps, right? <laughs> But yeah, I, I think it was already touched on, but also I, yeah, I wanted, wanted to reiterate that I would be concerned that a lot of the, the uh, neighborhoods aren't actually reaching out uh, to a lot of the people that are affected by a lot of these things. Well, yeah, that's very true. I think it's, it's, it's hard, right? It's one, you have to have a centralized way of getting all of this information. As Julie mentioned, we have suggested projects so anyone who's not affiliated with anybody can submit the project. But to be a part of the voting um, and to be a part of a selection, you know, it's someone who would want to be a part of a neighborhood association. This was a commitment also, not as big as like a PFECT or something like that, but this was several meetings that they had to take with me several times in the evening. Um, it was a, a big commitment. And so some of those who are already committed to the neighborhood associations, it's it's a, a more surefire way to get some good input from them. And so I will just plug this and say, please tell everyone in your neighborhoods to participate. And if you don't know who your head of your neighborhood association is, please email me and I will connect you with them. To because not just NSP, several things come through the neighborhood associations. Um, so please. Say from my experience. Being able to present about transportation and safety at neighborhood meetings actually boosted engagement within the neighborhood itself and it was a good opportunity to also educate support. Um, Super easy, quick note. Um, so on this memo that was sent, there's a column in that table that says SRTS. I don't think that's spelled out what that is, and only one has like an X in it. So paper route school. Oh yeah. Paper. Okay. Um, so I would either just like for the council if you're sending them the same memo, either like clarify that somewhere or just yeah. like, take it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's a good note. Thank you. We love our acronyms here. <laughs> <laughs> Um, actually, that, that comment, the St. Francis School, reminds me, um, uh, I don't remember if it was amongst, I guess, no, it's not amongst these selected projects, I don't think, but uh, one of the unfunded, or a couple of the unfunded, mm -hmm. I think, were sidewalks for schools, and it seems like that would be a good, like, funded under the St. Francis School plan. Um, so that was... Of just a part of it because we identified it. It was identified already in the Safer Rocks School, and it was like, this is a good project you guys should think about. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Just, I mean, the Safer Rocks School doesn't it have like 140 40 100. projects? And I can't think the word at this point. Now, so it's like, it's, you know, chipping away at it, but it's going to take a while. And of course, as Brian said, we're not, our dollar just doesn't go as far as it used to. So, the transportation benefit district will help with getting a lot of this. Totally will. Yeah. I mean, yes, it's not the most popular funding source, as we know, but it's a great way for us to get these projects funded and done. 
and by the actual user system too. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you guys yeah, for your time. You. Thank you. Oh, I'm sorry. And uh, so next item on the agenda is uh, comments and updates from staff and commissioners. So Jolie had some things. And just a, um, just a couple of small things. I wanted to um, remind everybody once again and invite you, hopefully you're attending the um, community appreciation event tomorrow night um, at, the, at the Performing Performance Arts Center. That's why we're here tonight instead of tomorrow night. So um, uh, apologies for the, thank you for everybody for being flexible. Um, I knew when I rescheduled I should have known when I rescheduled from Wednesday to Tuesday night and it council chambers was open. It was just too easy. So, <laughs> um, but thanks everybody for, for being flexible. And then I did want to highlight um, the unfortunate events of earlier uh, this month that we, for the first time in quite some time, um, we just recently talked about it last month as part of the, um, as part of the performance, the progress report, that we did not have a, a transportation fatality in Kirkland in 2022. Um, and uh, so earlier this month, we did have, unfortunately, a uh, old elderly woman who was um, walking southbound on the shoulder of 124th Avenue, um, and she was struck by a vehicle and passed away at the scene. So I just wanted to um, let everybody know that we, you know, we take that very seriously. You know, um, we do take the philosophy that every, you know, transportation um, fatality or serious injury is preventable, and that's what we strive um, strive to work towards. Um, so uh, I just wanted to recognize that. To the, to the family um, and the, you know, the many neighbors and community that knew um, her. Um, and then also mentioned that at the next council, at the following council meeting, trans, uh, council member Haskell um, put forward a, um, what's called a legislative request memo and asked us to um, look at, um, at uh, sidewalk, um, and pedestrian, the, the pedestrian facilities along We did, of course, not that long ago in the last five years, do a major sidewalk project on the west side to try to complete the sidewalk along that side of the street, um, which we got, you know, 95% of the way there. Um, but uh, as, as we just talked about, there's a lot of, you know, the legacy of many years of underinvestment in walking and biking infrastructure um, means that we're, you know, we're and inflation and everything, we're swimming upstream. But anyway, I just wanted to. Um, I didn't have any other. One more thing I okay. wanted to mention. Um, and Don is actually the lead on this. Um, there's a new program called the Kirkland Initiative. And so, um, the public works night of that is, I think, towards the end of May. 
But one of the things we thought it would be fun for the, these are citizens or I guess residents that are really kind of getting an introduction to the city. Like they've never really been involved maybe. Um, and they're giving an intimate introduction to the city. We thought it would be really fun for them to kind of do a mock transportation commission, you know, meeting or probably pull up, um, I think maybe the Lake Washington Boulevard, um, not Park Lane, because <laughs> people think it's another night to, you know, bring out Park Lane, but maybe Lake Washington Boulevard, remember that presentation, kind of do that and kind of see, you know, get their input on, on that project. So that is something um, looking at doing. In addition, I thought it would be kind of fun to do kind of an I spy game with them where we just go out, just kind of do the block down, taking the pathway down to central and back up again where they're having to I spy all the assets in the road that we hope to maintain, you know, because I think that sometimes, again, that's a story we don't often tell and it would just be good for them to see physically, hey, these are all the things um, uh, we have to take care of on the community's behalf. Um, but any other ideas you have, I'm probably do just a couple like, you know, um, I, I like to do these kind of like, how much do you know kinds of things just to kind of get them started. One, they'll probably know a lot more than they think they know. You know, that's pretty common, I think. Um, and then a good overview of what our department does. And, um, and again, kind of a, um, a, a mock transportation commission, so. What's the, the audience? Don can explain it better than me. Yes. He's actually recruiting for it now. So it's a it's people who are interested in agriculture. Sorry to put you on the spot, but I think uh, no, no, great. No, it's okay. They may help you recruit. I don't uh, know. Yeah, we have a group of 20 people. Tonight. Oh, that's great. Okay. People of all different backgrounds. We have ages, sexes, um, ethnicities, people who want to know about the government and don't know, but also the idea of people who want to interact with us and don't know how to interact, whether that's a volunteer or a neighborhood association person or a commissioner board member, or even if they want to run for council, for them to have a better understanding of what we do, but not only about the work that we do, how the connection with them helps us do the work we do and how important that connection is to growing our community and also for sustaining our global government here. And so, as Julie mentioned, there are people who have not had much interaction with the government at all. Some of them have been in Kirkland for 40 years. Um, one girl is 17, you know, and so there is a lot of diversity in so many ways of having people come to the table. And it is a very intimate conversation with our leaders here in the government so that they understand that they can do this too. It doesn't have to be as wonderful and intelligent as Julie is. You know, you can be just someone with a passion to be her or to be one of you guys or to just come and, you know, not be afraid of City Hall because I hear that a lot that people don't want to come to City Hall. Um, and so, yeah, and so if you know people, we're going to do it again. We are at capacity now, which is a 
big giant. That's good. I know you were a little worried. Oh my gosh, everybody's <laughs> crazy. But um, yeah, and so if you know anyone who may want to know more about it, if you want to know more about it so that you can tell other people about it. Um, yeah, and so for Julie, it's May 25th. That's your night. It's on uh -huh. my calendar. <laughs> <laughs> what is the size of the cohort? 20. Okay. 20, because it really is about interaction. It's about engagement. Um, our directors are going to be there. Our council members have a night. Um, our um, city manager and our assistant city managers. And so it's really about, um, and it's fun. It's not like sitting in lectures or anything like that. It's like fun, field trips, there's food. And because we, we also want to encourage everyone in the room to get to know more about each other as well. You know, like community, especially for me, like I, in order to do the work, the community has to exist. And so this is just one of the things, it was born out of our um, diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging five-year roadmap. And so the focus was on people who historically are underrepresented in uh, forms of government, like on the commission or in the neighborhood associations, you know, it's for everyone. Um, I was wondering if you're, if you are looking to collect information from them about how to better reach and engage and um, you know, so it's like it's not um so much like we're teaching you how this works but teach us how to better engage with you and if you do have that kind of information it'd be great to have that reported back to us yeah. as well great yeah, idea. that would be great yeah you hit it on the head it's not about like we're teaching you what we do we're, but it's not so much teaching as such opening the doors to just showing you and connecting and what's really important to us when everyone is participating is that there is this flow right that we learn from you and you learn from us and part of learning is being how we can do it better I'm not saying that we do a bad job at it but how can we do it for people who maybe don't come to these meetings right and even if we reach out to you and get you to come and you know what what is it like for your neighbor who may not Right. And so how do we reach people better and how do we connect with them better is a really if I you could just go ahead and say it. I think that is the main thing. The council, uh, the directors that we all want is how to connect better with the community. And if we can teach you a little bit more, you want to come work with us or you want to come be on a board of commission. That is, you know, icing on the cake. But uh, it's all about connecting and how we can connect better. Just something to strike. I mean, I know you Lake Washington Boulevard is kind of nice, but I think one of the things that's really cool about us in the city government, America in general, is just how there's so much emphasis on scoring, transparency government in terms of yeah, there's a little bit give and take subjectivity in scoring. But you know, the the, the parts where we strive a lot for equity, uh, we have equity scores. I mean, showing how those scorings are done because I think from every community, right, we're usually kind of coming from government. We're running away from governments that aren't very transparent. And when we see, you know, when we have a, a very transparent, transparent government here, I think that would go well to build a trust from, at least from coming from an immigrant family. You know, we're always told, yeah, yeah, that project was done because they did so and so knows I'll go blah blah blah. You know, whereas here it's like it's, it's kind of yeah, you don't lose that neighborhood, but you know, there's there's a reason why I respect it not because somebody's so that probably yeah, <laughs> so just just a little bit. Yeah. Well, and I think introducing them to the role of the transportation commission as part of that story of how it's not you know it's not some it's not a project that's just 
coming from one person. It's, it's right. getting, you know, that we want to show, I'm hoping, you know, I think Don's point here too, is we want to show how open government we are, how much we're seeking input, how we go to these links to get input, you know, because um, it's really, it's important. It's not all coming from a master dictator. It's truly democracy. And, you know, yes, at the end of the day, it's representative, but you're representing 92,000 residents too. So, yeah, I'm hoping that they come away with that. Think, oh, okay. As Don says, well, actually, I can't do this. You know, often underrepresented people don't think they belong. You know, um, and we want to hopefully, you know, break that barrier down, and also, you know, hope. And that's the other thing I often see with underrepresented is they don't know how. You have to know spend some time um giving them the tools they'll pick it up but you know they're don't know how exactly how exactly do i report a non-emergency crime um you know whatever i think the all those things one of the things also i think you know watching them on the timeline yeah where their input along that timeline is because you know a lot of folks like it's when the dirt turns it's like Oh, that's why you have to watch the scramble. Such a good point. Oh, the scramble. Right. Like, you have to take our lashing five years ago, 10 years ago. With the scramble. Okay, that. Oh, so we need to update you on the scramble. Oh, oh, goodness. Okay, so we're going to council mid May because initially we were going to go out for construction for the scramble in the first quarter of this year. A utility company, some of you might know of, so we had some delays, which pushed us out, pushed us to starting in, in July. We thought we were doing great. We were like, oh, we're not going to conflict with the parade. <laughs> Little did we know. No, that wasn't good enough. That is a, you know, a big, big um, peak period for our business community. So, of course, they've come out. You saw it on the news and objected to it. So now we're evaluating. I think no matter what, we we're missing the summer anyways. Now we're evaluating doing it a year. So same, basically same time period, but just a year later. A couple of things involved with that is you know making sure our granting. I mean, this project, you know, kudos to the team. I mean, it's mostly 70% funded by, you know, partner. Uh, grant agencies. So it's it's pretty sizable outside other people's money. Um, so will it conflict with that? There are other projects happening in downtown. Is that, you know, what what's the magnitude of that in that whole area is a, a, another consideration we'll talk to council about. Um, and just, you know, part of the challenge, many of you familiar with this project, are you familiar with the, scram- with the pro- project we're calling the scramble? It's um it's really downtown for you know where the Starbucks is and the White is and there's George's restaurant Central um, in Kirkland or Lake and Kirkland okay that one intersection is getting completely redone so that in all directions when it's head heads to cross 
they can cross in any direction, scramble, they can cross diagonal, they can, you know, and, but it's going to beautify that section tremendously. We're looking at, you know, raised and decorative pedestrian crossing, we have a span wire signal. It's the only one left in the city that we need to finally replace. Um, so that'll improve our signalization too. And so much is getting new street furniture and just beautiful treatments down there. I mean, it's already pet friendly. Oh, and ADA improvements, but this is going to be like, it will be painful, no doubt, because here's what they're objecting to. Eight weeks of that intersection being completely closed. So that is an eight-week, no doubt, detour nightmare, because we know a lot of people use, you all know this, yeah, you, you know, commute using um, that. And so for eight weeks, but we do, because of the concrete treatments and the um, you know, the quality we want in that intersection, we do need the right weather conditions. And so that's the challenge. In addition, what you don't see is what's under the ground. We have to replace some um, stormwater facility. Can't really do that when it's raining, right? Really need some drier um, weather. So naturally the communities, uh, business community is objecting. Of course, our council is listening and paying attention to that. It, it probably, if I was a betting woman, probably we'll see it um, start next spring. So, but, you know, that's in democracy. <laughs> that's how it is. So it may cost taxpayers a little bit more. We're estimating something like 10% more maybe. But, um, you know, but that might be the better choice. So, but our council is very much interested in, because well, that's still money we don't, as you saw with Don's presentation, we need all the money we can get. So it's money we could use for something else. But on the other hand, you know, um, the hit to those businesses could also, um, hit revenues for that the city collects too. So it's 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 a tough one, but um that will be presented at the May 16th meeting. So if it's I mean it yeah. seems like it's sort of kicking the can down the road and they may come back next year and say, wait, we can't have this disruption. So yeah, I, I worry a little bit that no good deed goes that? unpunished for sure. <laughs> you know, like, oh you didn't think about this. I mean yeah, I yeah. Yeah, but you know, there was also what was, what I, cause there was a community meeting on Monday morning um, with the business community. And I think there was somehow, there was some rumors spun up in that about Park Lane being closed and that's not happening, but that might've also caused some more angst, you know, cause um, you know, as you know, people are already starting to come out. They came and testified at your meeting. They're testifying at council meeting already opposing Park Lane. People are already taking positions, so I think I think the Monday meeting helped clarify. No, Park Lane is not being closed. You know, um, that's not part of the uh, construction um, area, but it'll all be impacted, especially the two week two month closure. If if we're not closing the intersection down, it seems like a good opportunity 
So we then have Parkland close in the evenings this summer instead of kicking that can down the road. And Tracy and Sam, I don't know how much you have been following the Parkland saga. So we've mentioned that some. I know, I know it. I don't know where we're at now. Maybe so we can have. Um, if you prefer, we can have Victoria kind of brief you and give you. Um, we'll, we'll, we can set up a separate meeting if you're if you're That'd okay with that. And she's our um, planner. Um, just so when you come in, you're like, okay, I know what this is because um, Victoria and the consulting team are coming back to you all, kind of one more bite at the apple, and then it will go to council. It's tentatively scheduled for June 20 for the council to make a decision about permanent closure, partial closure. I mean, all of it is going to cost money and all of it has an impact, you know, one way or the other, whether you leave it open or not. And so, um, but, you know, I think, um, but it's very controversial because you know, naturally there are folks, you know, opposed to the closure. So a lot of, you know, economic reasons and that sort of thing, but our council wanted us to study it evaluate it and um, we're uh, doing that and you're part of that you know, team. And so council will look for, well, what does transportation commission want? What's their advice here? And the decision in June will be about next year. The future will not impact what happens this year. Yeah. Sounds like the decision has been made that there will not be a, a change to it this year. That's right. That's right. I think especially now we've kicked up so much with scramble and everything. I think it's wise to just now lick our wounds and yeah, live to fight another day. How do you feel the public engagement notice was ahead of kind of everything flaring up on the scramble? Is there you know, we thought going out three months in advance was pretty good, but you know, there some of them are saying a year. My my experience with this is people forget. Um, you know, but you know, and not only that, sometimes in a year, let's take 100, you know, you think you're on course for something and then boom, it gets, you know, so that's my only objection to a year. One thing I've learned with CIP projects is everything is really a planning document, you know, until you get until you get your contract and you're going, you know, and so that's my only concern about that. But I thought we were doing okay, but people have objected to that, that we didn't go out in it, you know, sooner. Well, it's also a challenge because of the construction that's going on there. The lanes have been reduced a lot of times. That private been, development. Yeah. So that exacerbates it. That did. And they mentioned that too. And that was not helpful either. And yeah. Yeah. So just out of curiosity, and maybe it's a topic for a future day, but on six, there are poles <laughs> in the middle of the street. Uh -huh. I'd be curious to know what the plan for that is. Yeah. Um, well, of course, the poles are going to go away. Okay. And they had to. They had to build that turning lane um, for the project to accommodate the growth there. Um, it's been a bit of a struggle to manage and coordinate with the utility. Those are those, their poles, right? And so it's all been underground, but there's some coordination. I keep asking our development manager too, because some of you are aware of that 85th 
left turn lane. We have two left turn lanes and the developer had to build that second left turn lane. It's been coned off for over a year. I mean, so that's part of that. But let me see if I can come back next meeting with an update. Um, I think that project is really close to being wrapped up, but I say that and I, you know, I'm not sure. So I'll find out. Any other, those are, any other projects across the city I can come back and <laughs> open, yeah, open season. Well, in fact, I have great news and you oh, will be, um, we want you to be invited and we of course want to recognize you at the, at the um, grand opening, July 8th. July 8th is the grand opening. I know, no, there was no good date. So we couldn't do it on our originally planned date, which I think was June 17th or something, yeah. Yeah. Um, because a huge Juneteenth event. So that conflicted. So um, of course you can't do it on 4th of July weekend. Mm -hmm. So this was our next best one. Um, we definitely would love to have you there, love to be able to recognize you. And um, we're planning some fun things. So we can come back and update you on what we're planning. Is there a time yet or that's still? Um, I think we're targeting 2 p.m. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 2 p.m. Put it on the calendar. And we'd love it if you biked there. Oh, yeah. I'll go. No, he'll bike. All right. He'll read back up, though. If you watch that do you have another one, Jim? Yes. Uh, not to keep trying to take the hornet's nest with the uh, park lane. Um, but you, but, you will. But I will. <laughs> uh, but uh, my, I, I know that the decision to have it uh, not open for pedestrians this summer in the evenings is already a done decision. But I am very concerned that not having that this summer will kill that momentum of getting it pedestrianized in that it's been pedestrianized in the evenings previous summers and if we then don't have it one summer people are likely going to think that it's not happening anymore yeah i I mean, I think that's a valid, valid point. What would I do with that? I guess I would, you know, um, we have some really good reasons why we feel like not having that this summer. It's just because it's all coinciding with the decision and um, we're just a little nervous it's gonna confuse things, the future park lane with the short-term summer. I think also, um, just to be frank, there's a little staff fatigue. Um, in a, other words, I mean, I've been talking to our deputy direct, uh, deputy city manager about this, our external affairs of like, I personally think if we're doing this, we need to do this properly. He's in agreement. In the past, we've kind of been you know, duct tape, bubble gum kind of approach using the volunteers, i.e. the businesses. And it just, 
know, sometimes they forget to remove, you know, it just isn't programmatically yeah. done. So I think that's another reason why too, AJ is just kind of, we're not really, we would be having to probably do it that same way. Yeah. Um, and yet if we can make a decision this year and get that gives us staff and gives us time to plan and look for funding to pro, you know, make it a program for the next summer. So I think, you know, it's just, those are some of the things I know our city manager was weighing when he was considering it because I, we asked him the same, we were saying the same thing to him. We said, Hey, we think the question is going to come up for residents. Are we doing this again? Um, and we were just kind of bracing ourselves thinking, okay, now we'll have to message it a little differently with future park lane and this. Um, but I think he was just, again, just wanting to kind of give us a break and try to get a final decision on what's the future look like. Yeah. So, yeah, I know. I don't know at the moment. I think, no. Well, it's kind of weird though, because if you try to do it this year, you're like, do it temporarily and then you come back midway through and say, we're not doing not it. Not doing it. I know it's a little you're like, confusing. Yeah. I think those are all the reasons that yeah. it just was kind of like, let's kind of try to figure out what we're really going to do here and do a better job. You know, whichever way, I mean, I have, I've yeah. been trying to predict the votes. I don't know. I think when I, I brought up this concern, last time and I think it's important to communicate back to the public that it's not gone but we're trying to figure out making it um, a more kind of formal yeah and you know if you are passionate about it and AJ it sounds like you really believe in this June 20th is when the council <laughs> Um, looking at this and you can bet there will be a strong, you know, group that's organized and vocal and, but if you feel passionately about it, you know, I encourage you, your friends to come and, and express how you feel. Yes, the Transportation Commission will, um, your opinion will be, of course, communicated in their memo, but, you know, it this might be helpful to think about balancing the voices in the room. Maybe <laughs> saying, oh, I, I, think about it. Yeah. <laughs> and we're still doing council, still doing hybrid meetings. Yeah. yeah. I had one more question about the uh, Kirkland Initiative. And well, it's sort of maybe two part of the question. Um, just thinking about, you know, if we're trying to make sure we're reaching broader representation. And um, first of all, are we getting any data on the demographics? And I'm sure we are. Um, I'd like to see that. And then secondly, there, are there any sort of um, you know, subsidies, child care support, anything like that that might be barriers to be people being able to participate? Two very good questions. Both of those questions were asked on any application that anyone filled out. And also I held two Q&As to try to just talk through anyone who was interested and felt like they could. Uh, we do offer childcare for children who are a potty trained age. Um, so that is something that is, it was something that was holding someone back. Um, we didn't offer any subsidies 
for them for participation, but it is something that we kind of discussed and we just were trying to see this is our first time doing it to see what it would be. No one identified any subsidies like that. One of the things that we kind of thought about that we are doing is that because it is occurring in the evening from six to nine, we'll be providing dinner for uh, the participants. Um, but yeah, we asked various different ways if there were any, like if you want to do this, what would stop you from doing this, right? Mm -hmm. um, we've even, we're even some of the nights for not having it at City Hall, just again, one, it's that twofold way. We want everyone to be comfortable and to come in and to have a good time. Our first night is actually at Heritage Hall, it's not at City Hall. But then also we want to show the city off. We want people to participate, right? The connection is about participating um, in city government. And so, yeah, we asked and we wanted to make sure we did collect um, age range, um, race and ethnicity and uh, sexual orientation. And if they were a homeowner or okay. Okay, any other projects I need to update you on? You can also email me. You're like, what's going on here? Tell, just email me. Um, I have uh, two projects um, I know had gone out to bid the 100th Avenue and then the uh, Goodwill Hill. Have mm -hmm. those been selected? Um, yeah, I mean, 100th we've awarded. Okay. Um, I can't remember who. Homer? Oma. Oma. Yeah, yeah. And we've used them before. Um, I'm hoping, I mean, our project manager, Laura, is hoping a ground breaking in maybe about two months. We want to do that. And then um, Goodwill Hill is, I was going to say, I feel like that's going to go to council. The, the, the in May. opening is May 2nd. Okay. And we'll go oh, to okay. council on what basics to put award if we are successful. Currently, there are 10 uh, land holders, so we are really excited to have this much interest in it. So, this should be a good one. Yeah, we've gotten, I mean, really great amount of bids. They're just high, <laughs> you know, but it's still, if, if we didn't have them, I mean, I can't imagine how much more, you know, so hopefully fingers crossed. Um, and then, oh, the 124th project is probably a big one. Um, that's going to bid. We're planning to go to bid in June. June. Actually, everything's ready. We, because it's federally funded, we of course submitted our specs for Washington review, and they're having a backlog of projects this time of year. We're waiting for them to get back to us. We're projecting to go to bid uh, as soon as we receive it, so probably early June. Okay. Yeah, and then when we, this is down the road, but I'm thinking of you, you would want to know, but when we have a better sense of, you know, the WashDOT 85th, you know, it'd be nice to have a presentation there to update you on kind of how that's going to go and big one. And so, um, Anyway, that's another one I just want to keep you in on. It's pretty impactful, you know, long period of time. So it's a big one. All right, any others? Like I said, you can always 
email me and let me know um, at our next meeting event. is Wednesday, so it's the fourth Wednesday of May, so it's May 24th. Yeah, May 24th. So, yeah, there's five Wednesdays in May, so occasionally that trips people up, so it's not the 31st, but it's the 24th. Yeah, and then I think just as the newcomers are here, I think we generally try to cancel, is it the August one? Yeah. Okay. So that's a, yeah. So I, just summer planning. <clears throat> August and then we find November, no, December, November, December. And um, typically we end up using the second Wednesday in December. It seems to be one where council chambers is available and, um, and we can, uh, and it seems to fit in between those two, so. And I think I heard you mention retreat Oh, yeah. And I mean, I think this is something we'll want to talk about. Remember, we did one where it was remote, but we did a little retreat. It was a while ago, though. We did it in 22. We did 21? a like a full meeting where we just focused on Vision one Zero. big topic. Yeah. yeah. Remember that? So th that might be something. I mean, the TMP so probably talked about great, doing that. Great topic. Originally, we had talked, Kim and I had talked about. Um, Kim Scrivener, one of our transportation planners, um, had talked about next month being a TMP really deep dive, but then Park Lane got, we're doing one more Park Lane. So that meeting will may be dual purpose, but it's something. I'll talk to Kim about yeah, that. Something that. Is um, there any other retreat topic that might be good? I mean, TMP is the most urgent thing. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to remember, did the retreat take place during a meeting or was it a special? Yeah, I was wondering. It was during a meeting. Was we just took one meeting and, okay. and it was, I think it was like a two and a half hour meeting where we pretty much just focused on one, focused on Vision Zero, which I think worked pretty well. And there may be a time early on during the TMP where that would really work nicely to kind of make some progress and workshop on some things and stuff. Yeah, so you kind of, I just bit out there. I mean, it's usually retreat, thinking kind of in the two and a half to three hour time frame. So, yeah, basically, it's all time to get together. I'll ask her about that. Okay. Um, I just have one comment. Um, the uh, This past Saturday, Earth Day, um, the Sustainability Ambassadors, uh, it's a student-led organization, put on Kirkland Town Hall on bikes, and a lot of staff, including Joel, uh, showed up, plan uh, transportation planners and uh, planning um, people and city council members and uh, King County Council member, uh, Claudia Balducci. It was a great turnout. There were 30-something students, and I think just as many adults, it turned out, between it was parent great. volunteers and, and staff and electeds. Um, and there were two uh, really solid takeaways I had from that. Um, one was the hearing from the youth. It was like middle school and high school students 
hearing their perspective because they were talking a lot about the 2044, you know, the comprehensive master plan and what the city is planning for up to 2044. And they were, you know, saying in 20 years, I will be, you know, the adult, you know, and have my children and, you know, living my life here. And this is the kind of world I want you to see, this is what I want Kirkland to look like. Um, so that was really cool to hear. And the, the other thing was hearing from, uh, I think particularly the planning, like um, Ali uh, Zyke, um, uh, hearing that perspective of like their vision um, was, I mean, I have a sense of it, but some of the other parents that were there that aren't as engaged um, with the city at the level that like we are at the Transportation Commission, um, we're really impressed and just it, it um, I think kind of made them think differently about what the city is doing, what the visions with you know, staff at the city is. And so, you know, thinking about kind of public engagement and understanding like, you know, this is the way things are now. There's things that have to be done within sort of the constraints of how you know decisions are made and what the rules are. But you know, when you get to look long term, um, that the city is thinking about these things that it might feel like there's not um, it's things aren't moving as fast as you want. Um, so to hear um, this, you know, planning staff. Um, talk and um, it just I think it really made a strong impression uh, wow. both on the kids and the, the how many people were there on the order of 60 I guess say 60 wow yeah. it was all on bikes wow we started at Juanita high school we have to have a home home life, went down the greenway yeah. the neighborhood greenway and then came back up to CKC and ended at the Google campus and wow. we had police uh, escorts so it was kind of, you know, um, protected in the intersections. Um, and it was like a solid pack of people on bikes. Wow. Was when was that? Saturday. Awesome. So we even ordered up good weather. I was going to say, oh, yeah, it, it, didn't rain. Rain. it wasn't like, you know, sunny, but it didn't rain. Well, it, but it, <laughs> it was not, it, it was, it didn't rain. <laughs> nice. Yeah. But I just wanted to, you know, uh, recognize you know that staff were there and that it had a really meaningful impact that's awesome yeah thank you yeah we're really happy with how it turned out as well cool um so that's that's all i wanted to share any uh comments that you can share from other commissioners Judy? no okay all right well i think we can adjourn the meeting well welcome hopefully this was your Acceptable first meeting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome. All right. Thanks, George. Thanks, Thank Don. You. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh,